You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Super Bowl week is here, and we've got a stacked lineup all week long for you right here on Crunch Time. Welcome in, Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast. Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Your topics of the day. The Cajuns are up to 10 straight now with their win over Marshall inside the Cajun Dome Saturday night. We'll break down that game and what's next for the Cajuns. LSU women, 23 and oh now, Angel Reese, 23 double-doubles. We will look ahead to their colossal matchup with South Carolina this Sunday up in Columbia, South Carolina. And then we're going to talk New Orleans Saints and their new coaching staff moves. The hire of Joe Woods, Zach Streif going to Denver to be with Sean Payton, and a ton of other things that we're going to get to once again on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. My producer and co-host is the one and only Mr. James Mesh. James, good afternoon. Happy Monday. How was your weekend on a scale of 1 to 10, sir? I'll probably put it at a 7, 7.5. Like it wasn't not, bad. Not too bad. It was all right. There were some ups, there were some downs, but I mean, hey, that's... That's life. How'd, how'd you fare in your Yu-Gi-Oh tournament? Oh, <laughs> did all right. First time back in like two months. This L- guy. A little rusty. This guy. <laughs> a little rusty. Uh, how was yours? My weekend was absolutely fantastic. Saturday, we had baseball fan day, went cover the women's game, was in the crowd for the men's game, which was fantastic. Yep. Uh, yesterday, I did some grocery shopping, and then... I like how that makes the highlight. <laughs> When, when, well, when well, grocery because, shopping. Because that was the only thing I did. The rest of the day, I sat on my couch, played video games, and watched TV. It was great. Great weekend. This guy's lazy. <laughs> yes, I am. On Sunday afternoons, I sure am. Oh, this guy. I sure am. He, I said, work, th- he said this is recharge day. I, I work very hard Monday through Saturday. So Sunday is 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 the day that I kind of decompress and get ready for the next week. It serves time off. You said it, not me. So again, going back, looking at the weekend, the Cajuns, the Cajuns women's team had a stunner of a defeat, and we'll get to that in a second as well. You know, you you look at the Cajun men winning against Marshall in a game that a lot of people projected James to be much closer than it was. Yeah, the Cajuns took on a really early lead, and they never trailed in this game. No, you know, you jumped out to an early eight to two lead. I believe was the was the score. It was ten to four with fifteen thirty one left in the first half, and from there, the the game kind of settled in. At one point, I think the Cajuns led by fifteen, and then Marshall was able to close it to a ten point game before. The final buzzer, 77-67. to 67. Cajun's largest lead was 18 on the night. And they led wire to wire. Marshall never led this game. And 
you you look at it, and Tavion Kinsey, who has been talked about all season long as the main competition for Sunbelt Player of the Year with Jordan Brown, he showed up. He showed up in a big way. He went 10 of 21, 1 of 2 from downtown. He had three assists and three two steals and 28 points. But James, Bob Marlin talked about it today, and we'll have the audio of it tomorrow. He only had one rebound. Tavion Kinsey only had one rebound in this contest. And the biggest thing that was discussed today when we met with Bob Marlin was, you know, Tavion Kinsey was going to get his points. So the game plan was to kind of shut everybody else down. And Cajuns did a great job of that. You know, you you look at the rest of the team, the other six guys that played for Marshall combined for 39 points. That was the difference. You let Tavion Kinsey do what he does, you shut everybody else down, and then you performed well on offense. Greg Williams had another great night. Jordan Brown, I mean, 26 points, 20 rebounds. What more can you say? The, the guy is just different. I, I mean, James, you're, you're laughing, but what more do you say? I mean, I mean, it's kind of hard not to. The, the kid's good. He is. He's he's been good ever since he got in in a Cajun's uniform. I mean, you you can't fault it. It's just funny because early on in the game, Marshall had a lot of opportunities to keep themselves in it or even lead if you watched because they went a lot for alley oop opportunities. Mm-hmm. That that was their offense to start the game. Mm-hmm. They were they were going for it. They just couldn't capitalize on it, and then. Overall, Louisiana, they just manhandled the boards the whole night. They And they were able to get into the paint. I wouldn't say with ease, but, man, they had a lot of success getting into the paint and getting a lot of paint points because early on, they could not shoot it from three. They and, missed their first four attempts. And, and you know, we, we spoke with, with Russ Livingood on, on Friday about this matchup, and, and one guy that he highlighted outside of Tavian Kinsey was Michael Hanligan the seven-foot-one freshman center. James, I'm going to be honest. Maybe he had a bad night. I don't know. But I was not impressed with his play. Six points. He had eight rebounds. But he got in foul trouble early, fouled out, turned the ball over. He was only able to play 28 minutes for Marshall. I mean, when you're talking about a seven-foot-one presence, I mean, dude, you're seven-one. You gotta have double digit rebounds. You just have to. You're four inches bigger, or two and a half inches bigger than the tallest guy on the on the Cajuns roster. Like you just you have to have double digit rebounds in that in that instance. And like I said, got in foul trouble, couldn't play the game that he normally plays. Eventually fouled out with I want to say five minutes left in the contest. And I mean the Cajuns were just able to put it away from there. Once again, winning seventy seven to sixty seven. Now 20 and 4 on the year, 11 and 0 inside the Cajun Dome. And they have now set up what's going to be a monumental matchup on Thursday in Hattiesburg. They're going to play the 21 and 4 Southern Miss Golden Eagles. The winner gets sole possession of first place in the Sunbelt Conference with six games to go. It's massive. It's a huge game. 
And you talk about Jordan Brown and his 2020 game, 26 points, 20 rebounds. He is the sixth player in Cajun history to record a 2020 game. Yep. Sixth player and then the first since Sean Long did it in 2016 against Troy. And and, and another big thing that came up was you, the one that attended the game. The fans. Largest yep. crowd since December of 2018. Over 5,300 people went. Correct. To attend the game. And and, and look, you know, I, I've watching that environment Saturday night inside the Cajun Dome, and a large part of it had to do with Cajun chicken. I get it. Everybody was there to see the chicken. I spent $30 on a Cajun chicken t-shirt. I get it. And you didn't buy me one. You didn't tell me you wanted one. <laughs> I know. I'm... Here's, here's my... Here's my statement. Going forward, the Cajuns need to have either that environment or something incredibly close to it. Because, look, I understand the ticket prices and concession prices, they're high. I get it. But my question becomes, if you were a casual fan that wasn't sure about this specific team this season. What more do you need to see? They're 20 and 4. They have not lost inside the Cajun Dome. And when you look at their schedule, their four losses came on the road to Coastal, on the road to Old Dominion. They lost to Texas. And then they lost to Drake. Now, when they lost to Drake, Drake was one of the top mid-major programs in the country. They have since struggled and, and fallen off, and that loss doesn't look as good as it once did. But then you lost to Texas. They're number seven in the country. Okay, so that's expected. Then you slipped up and you lost your first two conference games right out of the holiday break. On the road. Both the, one of them by one point, and then the other one by four points. And since then, since you hosted Southern Miss in the Cajun Dome three and a half weeks ago, you were on a 10-game win streak. And not just a 10-game win streak, because James, let, let's look at it, their closest defeat was three points, one time. South Alabama, you, want, you beat South Alabama by three in Mobile. And since then, you have won by 9, 9, 15, 7, 19, and 10. This team's winning. Greg Williams has now got five consecutive games of 20 or more points. Jordan Brown's averaging 20 points a game. Famous Folks is top 10 in the country in assists. They're top 20 in, a score, in scoring offense. The statistics are there. The results are there. In terms of a complete team, this is the best team Bob Marlins had since he's been at Louisiana. It's the best team he's had. But this team proved to you on Saturday night what they can do with an environment and how much that environment plays into the game of basketball. 
So from now on, show up. You saw everything you needed to see. It's time to show up and support this team and help them go win a Sunbelt Conference Championship because they, they're going to need the, the fans down the backstretch. They just are. Let's go to the game hotline. Buffy, what's going on, man? What's going on, guys? Uh, nice little show here. I like hearing you guys talk about, um, you know, the Cajuns and the, uh, you know, you start talking about the chicken and stuff. And, you know, I'm an old guy. I remember all that, you know, and I'm going to kind of, you know, talk again about, you know, the days of, you know, the chicken and all that. And, you know, speaking of the chicken, look, when I saw him walk up to the opponent's timeout with the, that big balloon, white balloon, pretended he was a spy uh, balloon, I thought that was a great bit. I don't know how many people saw that and, and understood what was going on, but that, I thought that was funny. Oh, it was fantastic. Um, yeah, so he, yeah, so if you didn't see it, he walked up with a balloon behind the bench during a timeout as if he was a Chinese spy balloon. So, uh, anyway, um, you know, getting back to my point, um, you know, I remember those days when I was a kid in Blackham, and here recently, you know, I kind of helped coach a, a high school team here in town, and um, we, got, we, we got to play in McNeese's Arena, their new arena called Legacy, and it holds about 4,500 people. Now, I don't think 4,500 is enough for us, but... Man, I just think it's it's hard to get the environment that you guys are talking about in that arena. That arena is designed for way more than way more than that. And if you go around and see anybody that's building new arenas, Troy, for instance, I happened to be there the year that they ded- dedicated theirs, their grand opening. The Cajuns played there for football, and they opened it up for everybody to see it before the game or something. It was maybe homecoming or something. And I think their arena holds maybe five thousand, five or 6,000 people, and it's a lot more quaint environment. So when you do get a crowd of 3,500 or 4,000 4, on a slow night, you know, you still got an environment that helps win basketball games. I think it's difficult in the Cajun Dome. I, I haven't been paying close attention, but I personally don't think they should ever even open up the third section over there until it's chock-a-block full around the first and second, you know, areas. Um, just wanted to kind of get y'all's take on that situation. Yeah, they haven't opened up the upper deck so far this year, Buffy, and I appreciate the call, man. But, you know, looking yeah. at – Looking at the idea of going back to Blackham, I've been a huge advocate for them going back well, to playing in Blackham. Well, you know, you know, I know logistically because I got my son works over there, and I know logistically it's uh, it's it's a lot of work for media and all that to go over there. I know it's hard, but I mean, you know, at some point, where do we budget in a um, you know building a pulling Blackham down and making a making something on that property or maybe somewhere else where we can play in a better environment for basketball. I think until we, until we get something like that, it's going to be difficult when it comes to environment. Um, even if you block off the third level, it's still hard to get that place noisy. Yep. You know, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's just difficult. And look, look, I love the Cajun Dome. I love all the people that's always worked there. It's great. Um, I was there and working for, you know, like the ice skaters back in the day. And the ice skaters were able to fill that arena years ago in its heyday. And, man, it was electric. I just can't see that happening. I can't see a regular 11,000, 10,000 um, crowd, which that arena takes. I mean, right. it just um, – I'd like to see something. And, hey, look, I know budgets are crazy right now. It's hard to get money. But uh, McNeese did it. Um, Troy did it. You know, I just – 
I'd like to see the Cajuns do it. Yeah, no, I'm going to hang up and listen to you guys. Y'all have a nice show, man. It's nice seeing all you guys. My boy James Mesh went to school with my son. It's nice to see you guys, uh, you know, following that little media path. No, absolutely. Y'all have a good one. Buffy, appreciate you, man. By the way, his, his son, who is a, a photographer for the athletic department. Love, Ben. Fantastic. Love, Ben. Fantastic work. Um, so definitely appreciate that call. Uh, we'll take a time out here. When we return, we will look at LSU, McNeese, and we will hear from Gary Broadhead and Bob Marlin later on in the show right here on Crunch Time. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Join us for a day of golf and giving at the game charity Golf Scramble, benefiting Redbird Ministries. Hit the link at Farm Alley Golf Course while supporting a great cause with all proceeds from the tournament going towards Redbird Ministries' mission of serving families that have been given the extraordinary cross to carry the loss of a child. In addition to 18 holes of golf, the day will include great prizes, food, drink, and a great day with the staff at the game. So gather your friends and colleagues for a fun day on the course while making a difference in the lives of those in need. Get your foursome together and register now at 1037thegame.com. Together, we can make a difference. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Speaking of that LAB College to Careers Day on February 25th over at UL, uh, yours truly is going to be on the radio panel. So if you know anybody that is looking to be in in, in the broadcasting field, have them come by, register. It'll be a great time. Uh, We have great panels lined up for both radio and TV, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So just wanted to throw that little nugget out there, if you will. Uh, So a couple of top stories to look at real quick. Kyrie Irving traded over the weekend to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, That trade has not been made official yet due to apparently the Nets are trying to get a third team involved to sweeten the deal. I'm not sure how it could get sweeter. You've got a lot of good pieces, a first rounder and multiple seconds for Kyrie. I I mean, sure. And Kyrie's no longer in your team. You know what? You know, you know what that is? That is having your cake and wanting to eat it too. Like, take what take what you get. Because you were gonna you, you were gonna have him on the bench anyway. Because what's gonna end up happening? You know, they they said, oh well, if if it you know by the end of the day, if it we'll just finalize the trade. I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas or somebody said, you know what? Never mind. Never mind. That's like calls off the trade. Don't even don't even do it. Not even worth it. Sorry, I had a I had I got a second opinion from Luca and he's, Brooklyn, he he's not about it. Brooklyn might screw themselves out of this deal. I'm just I wouldn't be surprised. A couple other speaking of that deal, LeBron very upset. Very very upset because obviously it's well known that he wanted to rekindle the relationship with with Kyrie and be back on a team together. And uh, he posted on Twitter last night, maybe it's me. Really? It took you 20 years 
to figure out that maybe it was you. Or maybe it is you. Because have you have you noticed a trend, James, ever since he went to Miami? Every team that he joins, he cripples. Because what he does is he brings in all his compadres and all the big pieces, right? They're there for a year or two, might win a title. But then you can't pay them all. So the team falls apart. And LeBron's butt hurt because the team sucks, and then he goes somewhere else, and then that franchise is behind the eight ball for the next five years. Miami's just now coming back from what LeBron did to them. Cleveland, the only way they came back was LeBron returned. They won a title, and then they dipped off again. Team's looking good now, though. Yeah, the Donovan Mitchell trade helped them out tremendously. And drafting Evan quite Mobley a few. and Darius Garland and mm-hmm. Colin Sexton, and yeah, you you you've rebuilt the right way. But it took a few years, right? Look at the Lakers. He goes to L.A. You bring in Anthony Davis. You win a title in the bubble. Congratulations. But now you're trash. Granted, you're playing better the last, you know, two weeks, three weeks, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say. But this is still not the Los Angeles Lakers. And it's certainly not the Los Angeles Lakers that have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So there's a there's a trend setting here. LeBron comes in, brings his buddies, and it breaks a franchise. Now, will it break the Lakers? Probably not, because they're just going to... They, they have their history. The Lakers will always beat the Lakers. But maybe it is you. you. You really think Brooklyn wanted to... First of all, you think Brooklyn wanted to give Kyrie what he wanted? No. That's not going to happen. I, I, I saw multiple tweets this weekend that the one thing the Nets owner did not want to do was trade Kyrie to his preferred destination. So the Lakers were out of it. But, you know, James, circling back to to the main point is, are you surprised that Kyrie wasn't sent to the Lakers? Because I'm not. No. Everybody, everybody, like, they kept talking about it, but it's like how... How are you going to do that? Because you don't really have a lot of draft picks to work with that you could send and how are you for Kyrie. How are you paying them all? And you would have to send somebody, and you're not going to send LeBron, and you're not going to send Anthony Davis. So the only other big piece where there's a huge contract is, oh, uh, one, Russell Westbrook. And last time I checked, KD and Russ still don't n- like each other. Not big fans of one another. Correct. Yeah, that that I just... That never made sense. And then, you know, there's some people, well, how's the fit in Dallas going to work? And I'm actually questioning that as well. Because now you have two ball-dominant players playing your at your two guard spots. I've heard this song in Brooklyn before. Have you? Yeah. Yeah, it didn't work well, did it? No. And they even tried to bring in some other pieces. And it still didn't work. If you, if you were building your franchise around Luka, what you should have done is you should have went to get a facilitating 
point guard. Somebody that can be successful without the basketball in their hands. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving needs the ball to be at his best. He just does. So I'm interested to see what the Mavs are able to do with that. The only thing I could see is if they have a plan to maybe play Luka at the three. You put Kyrie at the two. And then you bring in a facilitating guard. I don't know. There, there's a lot of question marks with with that deal. But they've been talking about wanting to pair somebody up with Luka. They got their guy. And we'll we'll see if it works out. And here's the thing. In the trade, they didn't have to give up Christian Wood. No. Which, which, was which made it so much easier. Because a lot of people assumed like looking at it. Because I, I had told my friend. I was like, hey, Kyrie went to, he's going to Dallas. The, uh, the Mavericks traded for Kyrie. He's like, Really? So, like, it was Christian Wood and, like, who else and what else? It was, like, it was Denny Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, a first and a couple seconds. He's like, really? Yeah. And it was a surprise. And then the the last top story that I want to get to in this segment before we, we head to the break and our first guest of the day, Sean Payton was introduced today in Denver as the Broncos' new head coach. And he was asked about Russell Wilson's Personal staff. So apparently last year, Nathaniel Hackett allowed for Russell Wilson to have his own personal quarterback coach by the name of Jake Heaps, as well as other support personnel in the facility to work with the quarterback. So Sean Payton was asked if that would continue. Sean's exact quote, I'm not too familiar with that. That concept's kind of foreign to me. And that's just not going to take place. Our staff will be here. Our players will be here. And that will be it. So there's going to be a nice conversation with Russell Wilson. Look, you can have your own personal coach and all that. He's just not coming in the facility. That's, things, things are going to change in Denver. Let's take a timeout. Jake Madison joins us next. The Pels turned it around. They won not one, but two games this weekend? We'll talk about it next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Download FanDuel now and use promo code KLWB so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $300 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who even will score a touchdown. I'll take an A.J. Brown anytime touchdown because there's no way at this point he goes through the entirety of the playoffs without reaching pay dirt. This is all on an app and a sports book that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today with promo code KLWB to claim your first no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. 
Bonus issues and non drawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply to terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. 436. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. Talked last week about the New Orleans Pelicans being on a 10-game skid, needing something to go in their direction. Well, this weekend was pretty good to Willie Green and company, taking down the Los Angeles Lakers 131 to 126 before absolutely dismantling the Sacramento Kings 136 to 104 in a contest that didn't even feature Brandon Ingram or Jonas Valančiūnas for that matter. Jake Madison, host of Locked on Pels, joins us on the game hotline to break down the weekend and what's coming up in tomorrow night's matchup when they host Trey Young at the Atlanta Hawks. Jake, thank, Jake, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on today. So, you know, let's go back to the game with the Lakers, that 131-126 to win the other night. Brandon Ingram really coming out of his, you know, back out of his injury rust, if you will, with his 35-point performance. And, you know, LeBron James getting a little bit closer to Kareem's all-time scoring record. What were your thoughts on this big win by the Pels? Yeah, it, it didn't surprise me. You know, I, I during this whole 10-game losing streak that they had, I, I was pretty calm, and I said, this team is still really good. They're just kind of going through some things right then. You know, whether that's injuries to Brandon Ingram and Zion, Brandon Ingram needing to shake off some rust, some poor shooting performances, some slumps from guys like Jose Alvarado, and more importantly, Trey Murphy. But the makings of what made them so good was still there, and you really started to see that in that second-half comeback against the Dallas Mavericks a game after Luka left and didn't come back with an injury shows you the importance of having your star players available. And New Orleans had a chance to win that game after being down 30-something points at halftime. And I think that built up a lot of confidence in the team, and they came into that Lakers game looking like a different squad than what we had seen before. And when you have your star player, the leader of your team, and Brain Ingram playing like that, it just gives a boost to everybody. Whereas in the first half against the Dallas Mavericks, they really weren't there mentally. They looked down. They looked defeated. That wasn't the case. And they were down by as many as 12 to the Lakers before coming back. And in the end of that game, you know, a close game where the Lakers really wanted that win. They didn't rest anybody. They had LeBron. They had Anthony Davis. They had Russell Westbrook available. And they were going for that victory. You had Brandon Ingram close the door on them, doing it in the mid-range. His shot, right, getting to his spots, kind of taking over the game, controlling the game. I think that's so important for a team to be able to see, and they really were able to carry a lot of that momentum You know, the next night on Sunday where they completely blew out the Sacramento Kings, and you saw why this team was first in the West at one point, why they held the third spot in the West, and only dropped that because of injuries to them. You know, you talked about the the play of Brandon Ingram again, 35 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. You talked about how that makes people around him better. And you know, you look at the stat line, Jonas Valančiūnas with a double-double, 18 points, 14 boards. CJ McCollum had a nice night with 23 points and 7 assists. Trey Murphy started his weekend hot with 21 points. You know, just kind of talk about like like you kind of elaborate on that point where, you know, when you have a star player like Brandon Ingram finally, you know, back healthy contributing at a high level, it really just helps everybody else contribute as well. Yeah, it just lets everything fall into place, 
right? You're not asking role players to step up and replace a formal all-star all of a sudden when that's not necessarily something that they're capable of doing. It makes their life easier. And you even saw, you know, earlier on in that 10-game losing streak, go back to that game a couple about a week ago against the Denver Nuggets. They put up 37 points in the first quarter because Brandon Ingram was playing at a high level and was creating wide-open looks for his teammates as well as scoring himself. And it's just so many threats out there on the court all at once, and teams, as Brandon Ingram has said, can't defend all of that. So it's just like there's downstream effects from him being back and scoring, and it unlocks Trey Murphy a little bit, right, to be more of a three-point shooter, to have a little bit more space on those threes. And he's gone off the past two games, and that's then emboldened him to be a little bit more aggressive and attack closeouts and get to the rim and play that style of basketball that's three-point ranged and kind of dunk-based. And that's, I think, really big. And that lets you know a guy like Herb Jones not need to score as much, so he can focus more on defense, getting steals, ending possessions for the opponents, getting the Pelicans into transition and running, and getting them easy buckets that way. It's just one of those things that it's all tied together. So getting your best players back, you know, gives you just a boost, and you could see it particularly in the game against the Sacramento Kings on Sunday. You know, the bench was having so much fun. During this 10-game losing streak, it hasn't been all smiles. They haven't been joking around as much. But you start winning again, and those good vibes start to come back, and that's contagious, and that's something that can elevate you and help you play. And I guarantee you it'll be the same thing when Zion Williamson returns, which could be before the All-Star break. So when he steps back out there on the court, it's going to give kind of a boost to this team mentally, emotionally, and then help them on the court get easier shots, easier looks, more points, and more things start to fall in place. And that's kind of how the ship gets righted for the Pelicans, I think. Following you know, the Anthony Davis trade, it's always good for the Pelicans, not only for their players, but for the fan base as well, to, uh, to, to watch them beat the Lakers inside the Smoothie King Center. Right. Look, that's a team that's very obviously hated. Well, there's a lot of you know Lakers fans in every arena, and there certainly were in the Smoothie King Center on Saturday night. Yeah, you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis, they were here in booze for the most part throughout that game. And look, it's also important because that's a team you're competing with for a spot in the playoffs. It's not just that it's L.A. and Anthony Davis was traded there after that whole prolonged thing. You know, what made those games so exciting, so emotional last year, you know, towards the end of the season was the Lakers wanted to get into the playing tournament, a spot that the Pelicans were trying to grab themselves. And so these games have a lot of stakes to them besides just kind of, you know, the past trade stuff that's also happened. So it's a huge win for the Pelicans to be able to get that one. Now, you know, transitioning to the the game against the Kings, chatting with Jake Madison, host of Locked on Pelicans, 136-104. to Trey Murphy, we talked about his big night against the Lakers scoring 21. He erupted for a season-high 30 in this contest, including six from behind the three-point line. When you shoot 57% from the field, Jake, it's really hard to not lose the basketball game. Yeah, look, they needed to kind of break out of a scoring slump that they had been in. And for the past month or so, Trey Murphy had not shot the ball particularly well. And he picked a very good time to really start feeling that. And you could see the confidence he had in his play. That's 30 points on just 10 shot attempts. Or, sorry, 11 shot attempts. That is 
absurd efficiency that some of the best we've seen in the league all season long on an individual game like basis. So to see that from him really shows you why the Pelicans were so high on him, why they really wanted to draft him. And it's not just the three point shooting. He was aggressive. I think he went to the line six times in that game. You know, he was getting downhill with the Kings were closing out on him, trying to deny him a three point shot attempt, put the ball on the court, drove it to the basket and scored and often got an and one or got fouled and went to the line. Being able to play like that, I think, is really important to add another dimension to his game. He's really started showing that off recently, and that was a big part of why the Pelicans' offense was just clicking. They were terrified of Trey Murphy and committing two guys to him at times, and that's going to leave other guys wide open to be able to go and score. How important is the All-Star break going to be in two weeks for, for these teams, especially the Pelicans, just to kind of reset and make a run towards the back half of the season? I think it'll be helpful. I, you know, I think they're going to be playing some good basketball in these next few. Well, I think they've got four more games leading up to the All-Star break. You have the Atlanta Hawks tomorrow night in New Orleans. You have another game against the Lakers in there, too. Or maybe that's by the end of the month. I forget the exact dates on everything. But, you know, they, they it helps them get a little bit healthy. You know, I actually think Zion might return before the All-Star break. So this isn't a team that's necessarily looking to, like, just get to the All-Star break, then get their guy back, and then go on a run. I think they can really use these next couple of games to build some momentum and then maybe get some rest and carry that good play over past the All-Star break. But we were looking back as a date that they just kind of use is to get a break, regroup, refocus. But I think you're starting to see that a little bit right now. But hopefully it'll allow the coaching staff to really kind of dial in what's working for this team. We've questioned some decisions from Willie Green at times this year. Hopefully during the All-Star break, he's going to have some time to watch some film to get with the coach staff really come up with a strong game plan strong rotation even for the final part of the season because the pelicans have unfortunately fallen due to injuries not necessarily you know due to bad play themselves but mainly injuries to their star guys now you really need to go on a run over these final be about 25 games or so and if you're capable of doing that you can really improve your standings right here you know, the Pelicans could easily be in the play-in tournament. They could also easily be the fourth seed. They're right in contention for all of that. The West is completely jumbled up and very close right now, which eliminates your margin for error a little bit. So they really need to use this all-star break to really strategize and figure out what works for this team. So as we wrap up, Zion Williamson is that close to returning where he could be back within the next eight days? I think it's a possibility. I think he'd like to play in the All-Star game. I don't know for sure. I think we're supposed to get an update from the team this week, but everything's been going according to schedule. There hasn't been anything that's been a setback or anything like that for him, so I think we'll see him ideally sooner rather than later, but the team also likes to play it very safe when it comes to injury, so they may hold him out a little bit more, but I think he'd also like to get into that game. I think the Pelicans would like to see him starting, too, as that only elevates the franchise a little bit, so I'm saying there's a chance. I'm not necessarily saying it's a good chance or not, but I think there is a chance we could see him sooner rather than later. Jake Madison, host of Locked on Pelicans, joining us here on the Game Hotline. Jake, appreciate your time as always, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Of course. Thanks for having me on, you guys. And there he goes, Jake Madison, host of Locked on Pelicans. We'll take a timeout here on Crunch Time, and when we return, we will talk more about the top stories in sports and we'll recap the Pro Bowl right here on Crunch Time. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. 
Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game is throwing you something far better than cheap plastic beads. This Mardi Gras, you could score a $500 Visa gift card. Just download the game mobile app, open the app, and click on the Mardi Gras Moolah tab, and you'll be on your way to winning $500, a $500 Visa gift card. It's the game's Mardi Gras Moolah sweepstakes. Download the app, win money. It's that simple, and it's all from the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Wrapping up our number one. Kind of look at some NFL news. A.J. Green, longtime Bengals wide receiver, has announced that he is retiring. Funny enough, had a 77-yard touchdown on the 49ers in his final game. So, hey, went out on top, I guess you could say. Looking at the Pro Bowl overall, I mean, it was a little different, Matt, than what we had seen in the past. Yeah. This time, instead of it being in pads and playing like, you know, a somewhat normal football game as as normal as you could hope it would be, they played a flag football game amongst other things. And depending on, like, how the team did, they scored points and they added it to their total score. Ultimately, the NFC did win 35-33. to Three with Peyton Manning getting getting a little upset because quarterback can't run the ball, but Kirk Cousins took a knee. Got a little interesting at the end, but the ref said, "No, nah, you're good. You didn't run. You just you kneeled." Well, so Peyton, that was the second time that Peyton got aggravated because in the very first flag football game of the day, Tyler Huntley was blitzed by Micah Parsons, and so Tyler Huntley took off running because the flag football rules. So there's a there's a four second rule that the quarterback has to count through before he can take off running, mm-hmm. unless the defense blitzes. The defense blitzes it negates the four second rule, so the quarterback can just take off. So that's exactly what happened. Tyler Huntley takes off running. Second he crosses the line of scrimmage, the refs blow it dead. And Peyton was like, "Well, no, he blitzed. What? How can he not run? Because it was like it was their third down play." Mm-hmm. And so he was like, "There's no, he's allowed." And Peyton was Peyton was not happy, and Eli was just laughing. Eli was just sitting there laughing. Did you hear that joke that uh, P- Eli had made the other day? Mm-mm. So I mean, it, maybe Kittle was talking about Tristan Wirfs, like, "Dude, your your thighs are ginormous, right?" And he's like, "I don't even think you could fit in a three XL." And Eli was like, "I can't either because they're too big." <laughs> okay. Oh Eli! Oh Eli! That got George. That got George Kittle pretty good. But overall, I mean, Josh Jacobs wasn't a fan. He had voices. He didn't. He didn't like it. But there were quite a few players that were in support of it. Christian McCaffrey, Buda Baker, Geno Smith, and amongst other players, they kind of voiced their support towards it. They liked it. It was fun. It was fun. Everybody had a good time. I I watched most of it, which I haven't been able to say in a long time. The Pro Bowl was fun. Players were goofing off. You you saw Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson playing with their Oakleys on. Like, it was a good time. The fans clearly loved it. Allegiant Stadium was packed. And, again, it's a good opportunity for the players to goof off, knock off some steam, 
and, and have some fun. And I, I know people are upset. Oh, flag football is not real football. Who cares? Let them let them joke around. It, it's a it's an all star game. It's to free up some tension before the final game of yeah. the season. It's an all star game. Let them let them do what they want to do. In, in basketball, what do you see in the NBA all star game? You see wild dunks, half court shots, and everybody's loved it for years. What's different about this? There's no difference. Let them play on a 50-yard field with some flags around their waist and wear their dry-fit T-shirt jerseys, wearing their Oakleys, and let them have a good time. I'm shocked we even got... I'm shocked we had seen an appearance by the ref. Right. That, that, that shocked me. Saw a flag. I'm like, you know what I we're want? calling a flag in flag football? You know what I want to see next year? I want to see the Watt brothers coach it. Ooh. That's what I want to see. I want to see the Watt brothers coach it. So an active player, yeah, and get, a and a get, recently get, retired. Get, get JJ and TJ to be the I'd coaches. S- I'd say if we continue this format, I'd say give it like a couple years. I'd rather wait till after they both retire because yeah. that's what that's what you did with maybe the Matthews. Oh, that's true. Maybe you could have father versus son with the Matthews. That's true. Or is isn't Jake? Jake Jake and Claire either. Cousins or brothers? I think they're brothers. Jake's still playing though. He's with the Falcons. Yeah. So I don't know. There's there's ways you could attack it. You could go the Kelseys. You could go the Gronks. You could have the Gronk brothers. The other, yeah, could do Gronks. Anybody that's not you, doing you it right now, do, you could do Chris and Rob. That would be funny. Ooh, that would be funny. I mean, Peyton and Eli. I mean, that's just, just that's just, just a classic duo. Iconic. But they have the Manning cast. Which is better than the regular cast? I'd, I would rather I'd rather Peyton and Eli over any duo that's Correct. announcing games. Correct. I know I know Joe Buck's a lot better on baseball than he has football, but he overall, is. Joe just pissed me off yeah, as an announcer. It's yeah. like at least whenever I'm watching a like foreign like soccer game, a soccer match, it's funny hearing them be like mez 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 bad with going with. Go, 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 go. Like, at least that's a little more entertaining than Joe Buck's being like, Rodgers. 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 Oh, my God. Hour, hour number one in the books. Hour number two. We're going to kick it off with our guy, Ross Jackson, talking all things New Orleans Saints. And then at 530, a, our first of three Super Bowl spotlights this week, Duriel Harris, former wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins, joins us at 530 right here on the game you're clocked out we're locked in you're listening to crunch time with Miguez and mesh here on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station it's hour number two of crunch time here on a monday you're listening to the game it's 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles you're home for the lsu tigers and world series champion Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. In hour number one, we recapped the Louisiana Rage and Cajuns picking up their 10th consecutive win with a 77-67 win over Marshall to improve to 20-4 and on the season. We also touched on LSU women getting 
out to 23-0 and before their big matchup with South Carolina on Sunday. And we even talked about the Pro Bowl and the Pelicans. Here in hour number two, we're going to talk Saints. We're going to talk some Super Bowl memories with our guy Duriel Harris and some more college basketball. But first, let's talk Saints with our guy Ross Jackson, the host of Locked on Saints. Ross, what's going on, man? How are you today? Hey, buddy. I'm doing great, man. Thanks so much as always for having me on. Always a pleasure to speak with you. So, obviously, we'll get to the news of of the day, kind of. Joe Woods uh, officially announced as the Saints' offensive, I mean, defensive coordinator. You know, looking at his resume, he's done some good things, especially when his time in Denver uh, as the secondaries coach and then promoted to defensive coordinator. He was most recently under Kevin Stefanski with the Cleveland Browns. What can you tell us about Joe Woods and his prior relationship with head coach Dennis Allen? Yeah, I mean, you know, the two worked together in 2014. Uh, they didn't have the most successful defense together, but that was only one year and basically a couple of games where they got an opportunity to, to actually work together during that season. But if you look back at 2015, 2016, when Joe Woods was really just focused on the defensive backs for the Denver Broncos, that was a top defense two years in a row in terms of defending its passing yardage. They were top three in 2015, number one in 2016. Came around, did a very you know similar job after serving as the Denver Broncos defensive coordinator for a couple of years, returned to the defensive backs coaching side of everything with the San Francisco 49ers. Again, a, you know, a top heralded, top ranking uh, passing defense there. So you think about what it is that he's going to bring uh, along with Dennis Allen, the way that their relationship was, is going to work is – pretty positive. I mean, you know, the where Joe Woods has struggled in the past has been as the play caller, decision maker, and architect of a defense. He's not going to be asked to do any of that here in New Orleans because that's that's Dennis Allen's defense. So he's the play caller. He's the architect. He's the guy that calls those shots. Joe Woods is somebody that's going to be brought in to effectively be Dennis Allen's you know, right-hand man, that guy that's going to be right next to him when it comes to the defense, sort of where Pete Carmichael was to Sean Payton, and is going to have his hands in coaching up uh, the secondary players over on the defensive backside as Chris Richard and the New Orleans Saints parted ways last week. Corey Robinson, the secondary assistant this past offseason, defensive backs assistant coach, he uh, has let his contract expire, so he's going to go pursue some opportunities elsewhere, potentially look to get a DB coaching job somewhere. And uh, Joe Wood should have his hands all up in that position group. So, you know, uh, I understand the concern and sort of the um, the reservations from Saints fans understanding sort of how things ended in Cleveland, but uh, it's up to the New Orleans Saints now to sort of prove that that decision was right. But, um, you know, so far in terms of what they're going to ask from Joe Woods, his track record says he should be able to do that with success. Now, what, what do you think went into the decision to part ways with Chris Richard? Was that, you know, Chris Richard led or was that New Orleans Saints led? A little unclear. Um, what we know, thanks to the great reporting of Nick Underhill over at New Orleans South Football, is that the Saints and Chris Richard had, quote, philosophical differences that led to uh, his departure and that the Saints would then go out and find new folks at defensive coordinator, defensive line coach, and secondary coach, or defensive backs coaches, as New Orleans Saints call it. And so, you know, that could be very much that, you know, Dennis Allen wanted to remain the play caller. Chris Richard's looking for a play calling opportunity. It gives him a chance to go out and try to find that. It could be you know, something different in terms of the philosophy or direction of the defense. We don't know the full details yet, but what we know is that there were some philosophical differences that led to both of them, at least mutually, at least you know, public-facingly, mutually uh, splitting ways. Now, Sean Payton was officially announced today as the head coach of the Denver Broncos. They had the introductory press conference. It was announced shortly after that Zach Streif 
would be going over to Denver with him to be the offensive lines coach. Now, how big of a loss is that for the Saints, knowing his history as a player, play-by-play broadcaster, spent the last couple of years on the staff, and you know some early names to look out for that might replace him? Yeah, I think um, you know you're getting you know, just to start off with the New Orleans Saints losing Zach Shreve. I know he's he's titled the assistant offensive line coach, working behind uh, Doug Marone, but that that assistant title does not take away from his contributions. Uh, he's one of the you know brightest minds that's in the building there, that's at the facility, and he was huge in helping to prepare some of these players to be able to go out there. And, um, you know, get starts when they were depth guys, like Lewis Kidd, for instance, who had to jump into your starting role at one point and so on and so forth. And so I think that, you know, it's a big loss for the New Orleans Saints. But I do think that they have an in-house replacement. They brought him in to kind of, you know, work in, as a part of the coaching program last year. They brought him in during training camp. And that's former New Orleans Saints offensive guard, Jari Evans. Um, you know, he took a similar trajectory uh, in terms of working at sort of a smaller role to kind of get invested and get started with everything with the Saints and with the coaching staff. And so he already has a relationship now with Doug Marone. He knows how to play in this system that the New Orleans Saints are looking to maintain, moving ahead again in 2023 with Pete Carmichael. And so he would be somebody that would be able to bring a similar familiarity and ability to translate from coach to player as Zach Shreve. So I would keep an eye out for, for Jari Evans to see if he at least gets some consideration. But outside of that, they could just completely dissolve that position as a whole and just move forward with the one you know offensive line coach and Doug Marone and be perfectly happy doing that too. So there's a couple of ways they could go about it. It's a position they could replace, don't necessarily have to replace. But if they did, my vote would be for Jari Evans. Now, there were some rumors, Ross, when Sean Payton's name started getting thrown back around in coaching circles that wherever he ended up, he would try to take Pete Carmichael with him. You know, is there is there any validation to that? Could the Saints, you know, could Pete Carmichael be going to Denver with Sean Payton? Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that one. I think that's a lot of, you know, a lot of, I've seen that before, but I haven't really seen that from anything, you know, as a report. But I think the reason why I don't see that one playing out is that the Saints have, are clearly invested in giving Pete Carmichael a second year at offensive coordinator. And one of the things that they said was that they weren't going to allow for, you know, Sean Payton to just poach guys in terms of lateral positions. This would actually be something that would be considered a a demotion for Pete Carmichael going from a play calling offensive coordinator role in New Orleans to a non-play calling offensive coordinator role in Denver. And so I could see the Saints standing in the way of that because they want Pete Carmichael. I mean, they, they've made that very, very clear. And one of the pieces and one of the reasons why they, they wanted Pete Carmichael and wanted to roll with Pete Carmichael is because there were about 14, 15 different teams looking for offensive coordinators, and they weren't very interested in getting into that Red Sea. And so I think that with that being the case, to willingly then, you know, two weeks too late, allow Pete Carmichael to go for a lesser position over in Denver, I can't see the New Orleans Saints doing that because I don't know that they have a lot of confidence they're going to be able to find anybody better because right now they don't have a lot to sell they don't have a quarterback and you know they got some exciting pieces over on the offensive side but i just don't really know what they have to sell at this point until they figure out that quarterback situation so no i i don't see that happening obviously we never say never nothing's impossible in the nfl there's millions in some cases billions of dollars at hand here but uh no i i don't see that one panning out just yet i could however see if sean payton wanted a familiar face joe lombardi is out on the uh you know is out on the market he hasn't had a lot of success as an offensive coordinating play caller in the NFL, but 
He knows Sean Payton's system. He knows the shorthand. He knows what Sean Payton's looking for. So I keep an eye out for Joe Lombardi. And if there was another guy on the offensive staff that I would watch out for for Sean Payton to potentially poach, it would be Ronald Curry, the uh, New Orleans Saints quarterback coach, pass game coordinator. He loves Coach RC, and RC is already getting some of those, uh, you know, those interview opportunities elsewhere. Yeah, RC is definitely getting looked at as we chat with Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints podcast. You know, you brought up a great point in the fact that the Saints don't have a quarterback for 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, you look at the free agent market and it just seems like every day that passes, the choices get bleaker and bleaker because with the Brock Purdy injury news, I, I feel like the 49ers almost have to bring or try to bring Jimmy Garoppolo back. And and if that's the case, I mean, if you don't get Derek Carr, it's very slim pickings for the New Orleans Saints in a free agent market. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the one place that you're going to be watching is, is going to be the trade market first, right? Could the New Orleans Saints trade for Derek Carr before he gets the free agency market? Why would you do that? Because, A, the asking price can't be very can't be very big because of the fact that everyone knows that he's just going to end up a free agent if he's not traded for. And you would do that to make sure that you got your guy, right? So if they felt like Derek Carr was the guy, they could potentially go out and get ahead of that. Or they could wait for him to hit the free agency market and then hope that the connection between Derek Carr and Dennis Allen is strong enough that they could potentially land him. Um, just because the San Francisco 49ers might be in a situation where they need to re-sign Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't mean that they will successfully re-sign Jimmy Garoppolo. So I would still very much consider Jimmy Garoppolo an option. And really, I mean, I know it's far fetched, but we thought that it was we thought it was far fetched last year too, and the Saints found a way to get deep into the conversations. If the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson are indeed over a hundred million dollars apart, as what's being reported when it comes to that extension, there's a chance that the Baltimore Ravens look to tag him and trade him because they'll get a better deal out of that than if they give him a non-exclusive tag and allow him to be signed away, which would return them two first-round picks. They can get better than that if they tag him and trade him. So until Lamar Jackson isn't a part of this conversation, or excuse me, rather uh, until Lamar Jackson isn't an option, he is an option. And so with that being the case, I could see the Saints, you know, they said they were going to leave no stone unturned. I can't imagine that Lamar Jackson would be absent from that conversation as well. So they've got a couple of ways they could go. Before the NFL draft, uh, some hopeful news out there about Hendon Hooker, who expects to be who expects to be a full participant for training camp. That's huge as well for any team that's uh, you know drafting toward the end of the first round or early in the second round. That's looking to maybe land a top 100 guy uh, early enough. So uh, they'll have some options out there. I wouldn't say that anything's off the table just yet. Draft Hendon Hooker, draft either Jalen Hyatt or Cedric Tillman, and let's ride Ross Jackson. Just, just profit, man. Like that's really it. Like that's all it is. No, I, I mean honestly, you know, I, I think one of the biggest criticisms that um, that well, one of the biggest criticisms that Hinden Hooker gets is that he's 25 years old, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things. But when it comes to you know his system, the system that was that he ran with Josh Heupel over in Tennessee, turned him into one of the best pre-snap quarterbacks in this draft. So shoulders above, you know, above the shoulders football, such a big emphasis for the New Orleans Saints and teams around the NFL that I could see Hinden Hooker being a great fit with the New Orleans Saints. And look, if you're able to, you know, get another wide receiver in the draft that he's familiar with, that helps to translate that system even more because running wide receiver options is not something that's foreign to the New Orleans Saints system, which is what Josh Heupel's system was based on over with the Tennessee Volunteers. So I do think that Hinden Hooker would be a great fit and somebody that the Saints uh, should be looking at over, um, 
over in the you know draft process. They got a little bit of a head start because he technically worked with DJ Williams and the uh, the national team during the Senior Bowl week as a part of their team meetings, even though he didn't participate. So you know they've got somebody inside the facility that's gotten eyes, and of course they had their conversation and their interviews with him as well. How was your experience down in Mobile last week? Always a blast. Always a blast. Um, you know, I think you know, we got the news today that, um, you know, Mike Tomlin was named the defensive coordinator over with the Minnesota Vikings, which was probably the worst kept secret of the, of the entire senior bowl week. I don't think I saw Mike Tomlin and Kwesi Adofa Menza, the uh, Vikings general manager, apart from one another that entire week. And so, you know, uh, a whole lot of fun stuff happens on the field, the one-on-ones, the drills, the game, all of that. But you also glean and pick up a lot of where things in the NFL uh, are headed. So it's always a fun time to be out there and be able to, to be a part of that number and be able to, you know, provide the sort of inside look at everything that's going on. So always appreciative of uh, the Senior Bowl and Jim Nagy for making that such a, a valuable experience. Ross Jackson, host of Locked on Saints, joining us here on the Game Hotline. Ross, appreciate your time as always, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, my friend. Absolutely, buddy. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. I'll talk to you soon. Take care and stay safe, right? Yes, sir, absolutely. Ross Jackson, host of the Locked on Saints podcast. I I don't think he meant to say Mike Tomlin. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure who he was referring to. But there's, I can't see Mike Tomlin leaving Pittsburgh, especially not to take a DC position. He's talking about Brian Flores. Brian Flores. There you go. That makes sense. Uh, I saw Brian Flores could still be in the running for the Arizona Cardinals gig as well. But you know, one thing that, and I guess we'll bring up the topic now and get to it in the next segment. Lamar Jackson. It's obviously not off the table for the Saints. But my question is this, and if, if you, the listener, have a, a thought, please chime in on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. What kind of trade package can the Saints put together for Lamar Jackson? What would it take for the Baltimore Ravens after they franchise tag him to go, you know what, okay, you're right, let's, let, let, let's do this deal. So... James, in in the next after this timeout, I want to hear your thoughts, and then I would love to hear from the listener as as well here on Crunch Time. You're listening to the game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you need help taking your lady out for Valentine's Day, the help you need can be found inside the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Score $150 to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cyber's Bayou Casino Resort, $50 to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville, $40 to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard, or $25 to Mabel's Kitchen at Cyber's Bayou Casino Resort. Any of these prizes could be yours to help with Valentine's Day if you join the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, it's simple, so go sign up today. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And this is why I should be a general manager. The ideal trade package for Lamar Jackson is as follows. Jameis Winston 
who is still under contract with the New Orleans Saints. Michael Thomas, you're trying to dump him. What better way than just to throw him in here as Lanyap? Restructure the deal of Andrus Pete and throw him in there. Yes, Baltimore's offensive line is good, but is there ever such thing as too much O-line depth? No. No such thing. A first-rounder, and then a third-rounder. It's plenty enough. Probably more than enough for one Lamar Jackson. But I tell you what, if I don't have to look at pond water ever again, I would do it. I would do it. And then... Lamar Jackson, who is 27, 26, you're set for the next 10 plus years at quarterback. He's 26. He's seven months older than me. You're set for the next 10 plus years at quarterback. Thank you. You're welcome. Good night. It's done. That's the package. I don't, I don't know that you're going to find a better trade package in the NFL. I mean, because you got a quarterback. You got a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL when he's healthy. O-line depth. A first rounder and a third rounder. What? What more do you want? I mean, James, please tell me. What what more could you want out of a trade package? I mean, the Saints only win there. I just worry Jameis doesn't necessarily work. Oh, they're going. They're they're playing I mean, they're, Tyler. I mean, they're, they're going to be playing Tyler Huntley. Uh, dude, Jameis Winston is better than Tyler Huntley. I, I don't disagree, but they're going to play Tyler Huntley. Uh, they like Tyler Huntley. That's so Tyler Tyler Huntley was a Pro Bowler. Uh, he should have never been. He was a Pro Bowler. With, show show that man some respect. I can't. Not with those stats. <laughs> can't show him respect with those stats. Show that man some respect. Oh man, I mean that that only works for Saints because it's like you're getting rid of three players that you don't want. And you're only you're basically only giving up a first and a third after that, for the for one of the best quarterbacks in the league. How does that not benefit the Ravens though? I mean, you get Mike, you get Mike, you get a line depth. But the big issue, and you get draft capital. The draft capital is nice, and it's like unless you just get an OC that just works really well with Jameis. I don't know. We haven't found one of those yet. We or, don't. Or you take that draft pick and you go draft Hendon Hooker. I'll throw, I'll give you twenty nine. I'll give you my first this year. I don't well, that, even have to wait for next year. Well, that's that's what you would be saying. Yeah, I'll give you the first this year. Take 29, go draft Hendon Hooker, and there you go. You got Lamar 2.0. Voila. And everybody wins. I'd just be curious to see how Baltimore would value Andrews Pete. Because, of course, yes, you can never have enough offensive alignment. But if you're going to be trading for one, you'd want it to be at least – Decent. I just and Andrews Pete's okay at times, but Saints fans, I, I think you can vouch and be like, yeah, tired of seeing tired to see it pond water. Oh, I'm 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 done with Andrews Pete. Honestly, I don't even care if you get anything from him. Cut him. I'm done. I've had enough. You're paying that dude way too much money to suck. Get out. Bye. Thank you next. Okay, Ariana Grande. <laughs> I'm glad you picked up on that reference. I just I just got a text from a buddy of mine. The Saints are going to end up with Derek Carr, and you'll just have to be happy about it. 
I refuse to believe that that's the Saints' best option. Refuse. He's not good. Five years ago, great quarterback. John Gruden walked into Oakland slash Las Vegas and broke that man forever. I can't lie. He kind of broke him. Derek Carr brought me back with that line that he had on Thursday night when it was Ryan Clark that asked him, like, yeah, he was. There, there's a reason I'm not staying here or something like that. Yeah, he's like, there's a reason why I'm not coming back. So it's like, all right, yeah, shots fired, baby. I mean, yeah, he's, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder, and that's great, but sometimes that's all you need. If he's, new, new destination, chip on your shoulder, ooh, if he's not that's throwing, a dangerous combo. If he's not throwing for 4,000-plus yards, I don't want him. Yeah. I don't want him. And I'm sure he probably had 4,000 yards this year with Devontae Adams. But I just I feel like he makes really poor decisions. He threw for thirty five hundred yards this year. I just he had twenty four touchdowns to fourteen interceptions and only sixty six percent completion percentage. That's not great. I don't like those numbers. I just feel like ever since the John Gruden mess went down, Derek Carr has not been the same quarterback. And then the other thing that worries me is he's 31. People want to talk about how, oh, you know, Hendon Hooker's 25, Stetson Bennett's 26. Yeah, Derek Carr's 31. And other than nine years in the league, what's special? He's never had playoff success. He's never won anything truly meaningful in the league. He's like, not. A, what's he, he? He's not necessarily a quarterback where you're like he's going to win it for you at the end of the game. But I'd I'd still prefer him over Andy Dalton. Over Andy Dalton, sure. And over Mitch Trubisky. Over Mitch Trubisky, sure. I'd rather draft a quarterback than acquire Derek Carr. Call me crazy for thinking that, but I would rather draft and start a rookie quarterback then pay the asking price that they're going to be asking for Derek Carr. I'm still of the mindset. I'd rather have a vet that can still win you some games and keep you afloat and not have you go off the deep end and be 3-14 and for a couple years, draft a QB, have him sit, and then come into play. And I and I know you want I know you want them to start immediately, man. I get it. I get you want them to start because you need experience on the field. I get that. But you can get that at the end of the year in some game when you're not necessarily going to make the playoffs. That's not even where I was going with this. Are we really okay with just staying afloat? What would you rather? Eight and nine or three and fourteen? I'd rather eight and nine. Three and fourteen means a top draft pick, which means a top quarterback. That doesn't guarantee anything. There's no guarantee with that. And you're right. If you if if you're gonna go three and fourteen, if you're a player and you're like Saints are three and fourteen, they I don't know about that one. I'd rather go to a team that is on the border of either making the playoffs or making the championship. So you would be one hundred percent okay with Derek Carr being the Saints quarterback in twenty twenty three. I'd be fine with it. I'd much rather that than some other QBs. Because to me, I would rather stay afloat and win some games than just absolutely suck 
and purposefully suck because I've heard people talk about I I want the Saints to have the first pick and get Caleb Williams. Well, first off, even if you were to tank, there's no guarantee you would get that pick anyway. Because coaches and players, even though they know that their teams aren't the best, they're still playing for their next play check, for their next game check. But here's here's the thing that bugs me. The they're Ra- still going to always try and win. The Raiders have not granted permission for Derek Carr to speak with anybody. Why? As of Saturday, there's a report from Jeremy Fowler that says that he has not been granted permission to speak with anyone. So I'm not sure what the holdup is for the Raven for the Raiders. Why they're barring him from speaking to other teams? But if you're the Saints, you've got to figure out a way to really get in his ear, if you want him, that is, because I mean, if you're the Raiders, you're you're not you don't you clearly don't want him to return. Because he even thinks that you do not want him to return. So I'm interested to see how that process is is going to play out because, again, if they're not letting him speak to anybody, that may have changed. But who's going to be interested? What's the trade package look like? Or if you're the Raiders, do you just cut him? And then if you just cut him, I think that takes the Saints out of it because I'm not sure how you're going to pay him. But we'll take a time out. Darielle Harris, former Dolphins wide receiver, played in Super Bowl 17 for Miami. We'll chat with him on his experience in the first of this week's Super Bowl spotlights right here on the game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Football fans, FanDuel has the perfect way for everyone to get in on Super Bowl 57 action with a no-sweat same-game parlay. That means everyone can get bonus bets back if your Super Bowl same-game parlay doesn't hit. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or if you already have an account. Same-game parlays will let you combine all your favorite bets for a chance at a bigger payday. So start building your own or just bet a popular same-game parlay already made for you in America's number one sportsbook. I'm going to take Pat Mahomes for 225-plus passing yards and A.J. Brown anytime touchdown, and then Jalen Hurts to rush for at least 25 yards. If you're new to Fandle, sign up with promo code KLWB when you download the app. Either way, you'll get bonus bets back if your no-sweat same-game parlay doesn't hit. Make every moment more with Fandle, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. Three plus legs, minimum $1 bet required. Refund issued is non withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after the receipt. Max bonus $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1 877 770 STOP. Very few players ever make it to the National Football League. With the first pick. Even fewer make it to the league's grandest stage. The Cincinnati Bengals, they are going to the Super Bowl. This next guest is someone who accomplished both. Time for Super Bowl Spotlight here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Duriel Harris, former Miami Dolphins wide receiver, participated in Super Bowl 17 
as the Dolphins fell to the Washington Redskins, and he has guest hosted on our station quite a few times. Mr. Duriel, thanks so much for taking the time, sir. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing over there? Oh, doing well. Thanks for asking. You know, looking back at your NFL career, spending nine seasons with four different teams, including the Dolphins, the Cowboys, and the Cleveland Browns, before we get to your time in the Super Bowl, just kind of talk about your career as a whole and what kind of stands out to you. Well, uh, I was very fortunate uh, to get a chance to play in the National Football League. Uh, growing up in Texas, it was always a childhood dream to, to make it to the NFL. And uh, I got a chance to play with a very good team and a great coach on the Don Shula. And uh, that was a, a real highlight being drafted by a great organization with a great head coach and just learned so many things from uh, Coach Shula that carries on in life today. So just an honor to be able to play for a guy like that. And, you know, looking at your, your career with Miami, you had nine years there, 4,500 yards, 18 touchdowns, averaged 17 yards per reception. You know, I, I know a lot of guys don't really care about the numbers, but just, you know, sitting back thinking about your time in the NFL and listening to those numbers, you know, what were kind of some of your favorite memories about playing with the Dolphins under Don Shula? Well, playing with the Dolphins and Don Shula, uh, it was just a great organization. Uh, Coach Shula, would, uh, he was a professionist, of course, but he would uh, let the guys know what we're going to do each day going out there. He would give to the the podium and have an overhead projector, and you knew where you're going to be on the field the whole time you're out on practice. And that might not sound like a great thing because you you, know, you think it's just what everybody does, but once I left Miami and went traded and played for the Browns, I found out that not everybody was as organized as the Dolphins. I got to Cleveland, and you had no idea what you were going to be doing. So uh, you could be at practice, and they blow the whistle for another station, the coaches are huddling up trying to figure out what to do next. So I knew then that I left a great organization and not everybody was as particular as Don Shula. And we used to always uh, be the least penalized team in the league when we played. And a lot of people were saying, well, Coach Shula has the refs in his pocket. It wasn't that. We did a unique deal that uh, I still look at today as a great uh, vision having practice. We did a session called Perfect Plays. And he said, look, we're going to run 16 plays, eight from each hash. they all got to be perfect. He said, we can do this drill in 15 minutes or we can do it in two hours, but we're going to run 16 perfect plays. And it sounds easy to do, but when you're out there practicing, you know, some guy would jump offside, some guy would forget an assignment, and we have to go back all over and start number one. So that was a, a real session to make you focused and key in on practice and and discipline, that's why we didn't have those, those those penalties. And he always said those silly, silly penalties can cost you a game. So his uh, session of perfect plays was really great, and I think that's what helped us be so successful during my career with Miami. You know, looking back at Super Bowl 17, 40 years ago this year, the Redskins beating the Dolphins 27-17. to You guys had a good year sitting at 10-2 and going into the Super Bowl uh, at the Rose Bowl in, in Pasadena, one of the most historic football stadiums in the country. And you guys just ran into a buzzsaw with a Redskins group coached by Joe Gibbs, led by Joe Theismann and John Riggins. Yeah, they were, they were a great team, a powerful team. And uh, we were up against them. We were doing a pretty good job. And we were out front and had them. And then 
John Riggins, uh, I mean, that guy, he was probably about a 250-pound running back, and he broke away on a, a run on the sideline. And I couldn't believe it that no one on my team could catch the guy. For a guy to be so big and to be that fast, it was just so impressive to watch a guy that big going on the sideline. I mean, uh, that run really hurt us deep in the game, and we never recovered. But we had a whole lot of respect for John Riggins and how fast he was to be so big. What are some of the memories you take away from that game, Duriel, in, in your time with the Super Bowl, you know, the, the time frame leading up to the game, memories from the game, anything like that? Yeah, you know, everybody talks about the, you know, the game. The coach tried to tell you, well, it's just another game. But after being there and experiencing it, it's not just another game. It's, it's hard to explain how big the Super Bowl is. I was a veteran player when we went, and I'd been in the league about maybe six or seven years, so – I was never, you know, nervous before a game anymore. It was just like, you know, another day. You've done this before. But the Super Bowl, I'll never forget it. We were driving into the Rose Bowl, and we had about a mile drive to get to the stadium, and all these fans were dressed up and going crazy. And we get out there on the field, and we're warming up. You glance at the sidelines, and you see all these stars and actors in the stands. And it was really like mind-blowing, and I found myself, uh, being in awe of the situation for about the first maybe uh, five minutes of football game until I finally got settled and, and felt like myself. So I realized then that, hey, this was a big game. It affected me as a veteran. So I just imagine how a younger player might feel to be around that because it's, it's so huge. And, and you know you're the only two teams left that are playing and all the eyes are on you. So it's just a lot of pressure. And it's a great experience to, to, to be there. And I'm very fortunate. I was one of the few guys to play in the NFL and make it to a Super Bowl. You know, as we kind of start to wrap up, Duriel, looking at this year's matchup between the Eagles and the Chiefs, what stands out to you about this matchup? And, uh, you know, who do you, what do you like about both of these teams? Well, I have to be a little biased. What stands out to me most of all right now, we got two quarterbacks both from the state of Texas, my home state. So I'm really happy with that. That's the first time that's ever happened. But these are two quality teams. And uh, since I spent most of my time in the AFC, I've always pulled for the AFC and Super Bowls. But this, I tell you, it's, it's a game that I'd, I'd be happy whoever won this game. I really don't have a, a big favorite. I, I love the Chiefs. I'm happy to see the Eagles there. So I just want to sit back and enjoy a great game between two teams. And if, if Mahomes is completely healthy, uh, going to the big game. I think we're going to see a great game between two heavyweights, and uh, I think it's going to come down to a situation where maybe the team has the ball last going to win the game. I think they're just that close. Dariel Harris, former Miami Dolphins wide receiver, participated in Super Bowl seventeen with the Dolphins against the Redskins. Dariel, really appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay, you guys take care, and good luck, and enjoy the game. And there he goes, Dariel Harris, the former Miami Dolphins wide receiver. Like I said, you've heard his voice on our airwaves a few times, guest hosting here on Crunch Time. You know, it you hear guys that played in the Super Bowl all the time talk about how the coaches try to tell you that it's, you know, it's just another game and, and once the ball kicks off, it's just you know, it's just that. It's just another game. But I just from a guy that's watched the Super Bowl his whole life and never really played football other than a couple years of Pee Wee. I just can't see how it's the same. 
Like I get what happens between the lines is the same as any other Sunday, but the amount of people that are there, the history behind the game, the amount of people that you know that are watching at home, just the spectacle all the way around it. Like, how does that not get to you? It's the biggest sporting event in the world. It is the most watched sporting event in the entire world. How does that statement alone just not get to you when you step out on that field? Yeah, because I, I look back at my experience playing in the Turkey Bowl, and I mean, that's obviously nothing compared to the Super Bowl, but I, I, I remember going back to it, I'm like, this, this is the championship game, and I mean, I was always nervous before every game, but it's like after the first drive and kind of like how Durio was talking about, it's like for the first five minutes, it's like you just kind of settle in and you just kind of have, whether you want to or not, you got you end up treating it like it's another game and you're like, I got to win this game because I play to win. Yeah, uh, it, it just it blows my mind how guys are just so nonchalant. Yeah, you know, we stepped out of the tunnel, just played the game like it's the Super Bowl. What, so, do you, what do you mean you just played the game? That that first drive usually, is it's always a nerve-wracking one for both teams, for both offenses oh, yeah. and both defenses more, and more special times, teams kicking off. More times than not, just a three and out. Once, once, you, get, once you get that first rep in, yeah. after that, it's like, the, for, even sometimes some other teams, it's like, it'll take a second drive, but it's like, once you're done after the first quarter, that's whenever it's like you can really start getting into it. It would just mind it would just mind boggle me to you know be jogging off the field after a three and out, and you you look over to the left, and you know Matthew McConaughey's over there, and then Rihanna's over here, and like why why are these people here to watch me? Really, what you doing? You got to get ready for the halftime show. Right, you you got to be performing, girl. What you doing? No, I just it, it it blows my mind. I'm looking forward to a, another great Super Bowl. Uh, they're always fun. The Eagles and Chiefs are going to put on a great game. Uh, we're going to do an over under later this week about how many good commercials there are, and also James and I will make some Super Bowl prop bets a little later on in the week. But we'll take a timeout. Wrap up today's show right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Delta Media is looking for self-motivated and hardworking individuals to join their team. Delta Media is currently hiring a human resources manager to manage the HR department, hire, interview, administer pay, benefits, and more. In addition, we are also looking to add an account executive. Training is available, and if you are interested, send your resume to jcochran at deltamediacorp.com. And Delta Media Corporation is an equal opportunity employer. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We have a lot of respect for Marshall, a very talented team. The backcourt is outstanding. I think they're averaging 55 points between them. And uh, Taylor and Kerfman are really good. And we shut those guys down. The first half, and then Kirk, uh, Taylor hit the three. We didn't switch out. Jordan was a second late, and they, they hit that three. Went from 11 to 8 at the half. Second half, we came in. Our defense was really good. They didn't score for a couple of minutes, and we hit a couple of shots, and we were able to, to get the lead on them. But we led wire to wire, uh, left some free throws out there, 
had some turnovers, but I thought it was our best defensive effort, and our coaches felt like it was our best defensive effort for 40 minutes all year. I mean, we took three guys out of their game. No one got double figures. And uh, Taylor's a heck of a player, but he hadn't been harassed like he was here tonight. That was Louisiana men's basketball coach Bob Marlin talking about his opening thoughts on the win over Marshall the other night, 77-67, to in front of 5,300 fans inside the Cajun Dome. Uh, Lafayette native and shooting guard Greg Williams, who had his fifth consecutive 20-plus point outing, said, put it very simply, Saturday night was fun. Uh, it was fun. You know, it It really it meant a lot. You know, I try not to think about it. You know, everybody was asking me if I was excited. And I'm like, I mean, it's just another game. But I just... I just wanted to go out there and have fun, you know, and give everybody a show, you know, as both of us and the the rest of the team did. But I just, um, it was fun, you know, being from Lafayette, you know, going to the games when I was younger, it's kind of full circle when I think about it. So I enjoyed it a lot. And then flipping over to the women's side of things, Gary Broadhead's group for the Cajuns, James, they were down 11 with a minute 24 remaining in the contest. Came back, tied the game, forced overtime, and then fell by one point in overtime. Gary Broadhead gave his thoughts on the stunner to Troy. Uh, just proud of the, uh, our, our players on how hard they played. I thought it was a great way to come back and fight through it in that fourth, especially in the fourth quarter. I thought we'd made some stops, and you know, holding them to ten points is a big deal. You know, they they big time scoring team. So I thought uh, I thought we did did a great job. I'm proud. I'm, like I said, I'm very proud of, of able to coach this team that works so hard, and I mean, they work hard every day, and they show up every day, and they want to be their best. And that was the thing that we talked about before the game. Can we get better? I thought we got better today. You know, we didn't get the win like we wanted. Uh, but that's just part of the game. It doesn't always the ball doesn't always bounce your way, you know. But I, I know we, uh, I thought we fought really, really hard, especially in that. I, I really like that fourth quarter. I think we can put those together. Even the second half was pretty good. You know, if you put those kind of game, those kind of quarters together, you're going to see a big improved team. And then tomorrow we will get to LSU men's basketball falling to Alabama by ten. We'll hear from Matt McMahon. And then we will also hear more from Bob Marlin, Gary Broadhead, and softball head coach Jerry Glasgow ahead from kicking off the Louisiana Classics Tournament this weekend over at Lampson Park. Say it ain't so. It is so. Oh. And that's the, that's the bottom line because Matt Miguez said so. Thanks, Don Cole. Appreciate you. That's going to do it for today's edition of Crunch Time here on The Game. Come back tomorrow, Jay Walker and Cajuns legend Brian Mitchell will join us for our Super Bowl spotlight for Tuesday and we will talk more about college basketball, the Pelicans and everything else in the world of sports. I want to thank our guest today, Jake Madison of Locked on Pels, Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints and Daryl Harris, former Miami Dolphins wide receiver for today's Super Bowl spotlight. For James Mesh I am Matt Miguez Be safe, be well Give a big old hug to your mom and them, and we'll be back tomorrow, same time, 4 to 6. Same stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.